welcome to Witch City Witches, a podcast from Salem, Massachusetts, exploring the practice of witchcraft. I'm Anna. And I'm Becca. And today we are here with Mary Dalba. Welcome. Hello, everyone. Thank you. So our first question that we ask everyone, um, just as a general intro, is do you consider yourself a witch? Absolutely. Um, It's been something that's been in my blood since I've been a little girl. You know, I grew up Catholic and... uh, as soon as I got into my 20s and I was able to practice, that's that's the way I went. So all kinds of magical practice kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Almost everyone we have on, including Anna and myself, were raised Catholic. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. It's good foundation. It's good to kind of see what ritual is about in a different place. That's the way I look at it, you know? Right. Um yeah. So I'd love to hear a little bit from you, um, just, you know, what does the word witch mean to you and kind of, you know, how was your path to get there and to where you are now? Oh, sure. So um, the word witch means to me somebody who is in touch with everything on the earth. So, you know, all the elements um, honors that and then honors the spirits on the other side. Um, so the God and the goddess and, and the spirits of such you know, it's just open to um, the connections that we can't see. So to me, that's really what a witch means. Um, You know, I think magical practice is part of that. So being able to, you know, as I will it, so mote it be, I know it's a lot of the law of attraction in a certain degree, a little bit, you know, uh, what, you know, hyped up, I guess. Um, But our practices are, you know, ours and, and our hearts, ours alone to our hands as witches. So that's, that's my belief. Um, my path was kind of an interesting one. Uh, you know, I, I, like I mentioned, I grew up Catholic, um, and, you know, I started practicing solitary. So, you know, I got all the books that everybody gets at the beginning. Um, the Cunningham books, the, I will admit Silver Ravenwolf back in the day, you know, we all sat out cause you hear about things and, and, you know, I'm on, I'm almost 50. So the internet was not as popular when I was younger. So, you know, you're standing in a bookstore, like, Oh, that's a nice cover. Um, (laughs) you know, you're hearing from friends. Um, and then, you know, it's funny how the path takes you and how the spirits take you. And, um, to keep it brief, I joined a coven, um, back in 2009. Um, and I was a high priestess of that coven for a while, uh, that coven dissolved. And now my path has brought me to, uh, between all the twists and turns, um, I am now part of the temple of Hecate because Hecate has definitely tapped me on the shoulder. And then on the other shoulder, uh, Santa Marte has tapped me on the shoulder. So I, those are my two big deities that I work with. And I have a group I work with, but I also do some solitary magical work too. I think that's what we all get to at some point. Yeah. So (laughs) one of the questions that we get into uh, in this podcast a lot, because we actually, uh, you know, are on opposite sides of the answer is, do you consider witchcraft to be your religion? Oh, that's interesting. Um, you know, it, it's, I think part of me is, I want to use the right word. Um, you know, religion to me is kind of a loaded idea coming from the Catholic background. It's really loaded. So I don't like to say something's religion, but how else could you explain that? I think it's my spirituality. I think it's my core. Um, but I hate to use that word religion and to those out there who use it great, but, um, yeah, it's definitely my spirituality. Um, I, you know, identify absolutely as a witch. I'm not like, oh, I'm a spiritual person. I'm this. I'm like, no, I'm a witch. Um, so yes and no, I guess is the answer to that. But yeah, it's, it's religion so loaded. 
Um, yeah, and honestly, <laughs> that's part of the reason we asked that because it yeah. is, it is a very, very loaded word. And because of that, you know, I, for myself, decided that I needed to reclaim that because when we say religion, people generally think the big three, and mm -hmm. there's a lot of heaviness, a lot of negativity. And so we want to shun that word. And a few years ago, I realized, well, but there really isn't another way to describe it because religion is the way that you communicate with the divine. And so to me, my witchcraft mm -hmm. is my religion. And so I, you know, part of my internal work is working very hard to shed that baggage from that word because religion should be you know it should be about beautiful connection to the divine it shouldn't be all the other you know shit that's mm. roped into it but yeah we but it does have that right everyone has such a strong reaction to that word yeah it's it's interesting i think um you know i i, I love you know I, like i said i grew up catholic so that faith was very important to me um and I love the ritual piece of it. And I love um, the idea that you come with community. So that's a beautiful piece. But then, like you said, all the shit, other shit that comes with it, um, especially for me, it was women not being able to hold, um, you know, being able to facilitate ritual. We, we couldn't do that in the Catholic faith. And that's really important to me, you know, as a high priestess, as someone with magical um, leanings, I want to be able to help people and lead lead groups and things like that. So that was the biggest turnoff for me. And I guess, you know, looking at it that way, you know, there's a lot of wonderful things about that religion and religion itself. Um, I still haven't made peace with it yet though, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, as you know, Anna hinted at the briefly that, you know, we have different opinions about is witchcraft or religion because I consider my religion to be Hellenic paganism and I consider witchcraft to be a related practice that I do, but I don't like witchcraft itself isn't my religion. Mm -hmm. So um, it's, it's, you know, it's a craft. It's so it's, it's definitely, it's kind of splitting hairs. Yeah. Um, but um... <laughs> that, you know, that's okay. That's the nice thing about this um, work is that we, we don't have someone that's sort of overseeing all of us, you know, we don't have a Pope if you want to put it that way. So we can define it and work with it the way that we want to. Mm -hmm. And, you know, don't have to follow a specific dogma. I mean, there's different, um, you know, pantheons. There's different, it's just so free for us in a way. And I love that about it because you can be an individual, but have a community. Yeah. And I think that's beautiful. And we can learn from each other. When you're doing it right, you learn from each other. So it's, it's nice. I think that lack of dogma is a real problem for a lot of people who are new to witchcraft or to paganism that yes. they so mm -hmm. expect that like oh I'm starting a new religion or I'm starting a new spirituality and there are rules and it's like sort of kind of yeah. it depends like you know well like what god are you working with like they they might have specific rules but just in general no there's no pope like you said right. and like right. you know like I said my religion is Hellenic paganism and a lot of people look to the Greek gods and say oh well there's so much written about it like well what Homer wrote like that's like Homer was a novelist. Like that's mm -hmm. that's like you know basing your current practice on Percy Jackson. It's just like you can. But sure. That's, yeah, it's I'm gonna not, start a like, new bingo game where we go back and listen to old episodes and see how many times Becca shits on Homer. <laughs> no, it's actually Homer's fine. I shit on Ovid, who that's wasn't true. even Greek. He was Roman <laughs> and he hated women. So I'll say I'll say that every mm. single episode. Don't base anything on Ovid. He's terrible. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, look, I got, I'm a bingo. <laughs> but it's yeah. true. Yeah. I think people who come in, they're like, what do I do? Like, what do I, like, why I need to read all the books. I need to get all the things I need to, it's like, you know what, just go sit out in a place in nature that you really like and see what talks to you there. You know, like take it. It's, it's different because even for me, I went to Catholic school. So we had very strict things we needed to do. And, you know, you get this freedom and you're like, Oh, uh, wait, you mean I can, I can make a mistake and the gods aren't going to send me somewhere that I'm not supposed to go. You know, it's, it's this, um, you have to let go of a lot of the guilt and a lot of the, um, what you think it should be and following the path, like it's your path. You're the, you know, the God in your own, your own practice. Um, so that, that's like new to a lot of people. It's a little scary, I think in some respects. Yeah. I think it's a big burden to, for some people to like, you know, it's like, I, it came up in a conversation I was having the other day that it's like, you know, the burden of making decisions is on you. You don't Mm -hmm. have someone you can go to and say, well, what is the correct, you know, what is the correct decision to make here? What it has been written down. There isn't one. You need to figure that shit out yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's scary to people. And I think that that's, you know, why people, there are a lot of people kind of flirt with paganism and witchcraft and think, oh, well, that's cool. Like, oh, but it's a lot of work, actually. Mm-hmm. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, to me, you know, two key elements of witchcraft are one, that it is non dogmatic, right? That's the thing that my high priestess always said is that witchcraft is the non dogmatic religion. And two, that it's a system of direct revelation that you experience the things and you do mm-hmm. the things, right? It's not a uh, witness type situation where you're just watching the ritual like you would in Catholic Church, right? Everyone sits and watches the you know, priest perform the ritual. But in witchcraft, you know, you're your own priest or high priestess of your altar in your home. And even if you're in a coven structure, you're generally expected to actually take part in ritual, right? Mm -hmm. So, and to experience things, right? Like you read cards for yourself or, you know, you go on the shamanic journeys. And so even though there is support along the way, it's definitely not something where someone holds your hand all the way through. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I think for a lot of people taking that responsibility um, you, you know, it's funny. I made this joke once that, you know, you read, you read a book and you're like, you know, poof, I'm a witch. And it's like, oh, you have no idea what road you're about to go on. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's hard, but it's so worth it. I mean, I think when you go on those journeys of self, um, expression and self-reflection and yeah, you got to be up for the work. The gods don't make it easy on you because they want you to be the best you can be. And sometimes you're in a space of like, sort of coasting along um and the spirit's like we know you can be so much more do so much more and so they put you in these positions where you're like oh i gotta you know i gotta invoke the goddess you know it's like a it's a whole thing um but i think it makes you stronger it gives you personal responsibility whereas like oh well god just you know this i gotta put it in god's hands it's like no you're part of your hands as a witch is to to will your own your own work and will your Mm -hmm. own life and uh, that's, I don't, I, like I said, I think someone reads a book, one book and poof, you know, they're a witch. And I was like, mm, yeah, I think you're, you're, what you're talking about with like, you know, the, the gods testing you. Um, mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of negative pushback on that because when people hear that, they think of it's like an old Testament, like the trials of Job of like, you know, God is just giving you like shit upon shit upon shit to prove that you're still faithful. And that's not what witchcraft 
does. It's the tests are, can you be a better person? The test mm -hmm. is not like, you know, do you still have faith in your gods? The test is, this is something that you need to, this is a trial that you need to go through to be a better person. It's like a test in school. Like, did you learn the lesson? If not, back to the beginning and start <laughs> all over again <laughs> right it's the hero's journey right we all yeah. have to go through these initiatory moments right initiation is painful it's a death and a rebirth and it if it's not painful you don't learn right we don't learn when we're happy and comfortable right mm -hmm. it's discomfort that pushes you to change it's absolutely true i i it's funny because i i see what you're saying becca it's like um well, that, that's just an old thing that, you know, you took from another religion, but I'll tell you just through my initiations, it's like, oh, we've, I've gone through this ritual of initiation. Now the mm -hmm. real work starts because right. now I've been given this responsibility and, <clears throat> you know, you think you're like, oh, I'm just going to go along the way I was and you sure aren't. Right. <laughs> right. Sure aren't. No, I, I wasn't, I wasn't implying that you were taking that, that terminology from Catholicism, no. but that a lot of people, that's the, their only reference to mm -hmm. understand that. And yeah. so when they think, oh, the gods are testing me, they're just like, oh, well, my life is terrible. Cause like, no, that's, that's not the issue at all. Mm -hmm. You're like, if you having pro like you might be being tested to make better decisions about your life, but it's mm -hmm. not, it's not some weird test of faith. No, um, no, no, it's just, it's, I think it's a switch to um, taking on personal responsibility. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't, I don't know if we're necessarily taught that in a lot of places. You know, we think, I, I, again, speaking for myself, this is Mary's opinion, right? But, um, you know, in school, are we taught that? At jobs, are we taught that? I, I don't, you know, I don't know so much. I think our faith, um, our connections to the divine is what teaches us like, hey, you're this, you're this great being. You're not just like that worker. Or you're not just that, you know, student. You're, you're this being that has so much to you, so many layers. And we want you to figure that out. We want you to discover that. And mm -hmm. through, you know, your practice, your faith, your um, devotion, your hard times, your great times, you, you can learn that about yourself. Because I'll tell you, I mean, I, I know I've been in positions that I'm like, oh, all right, I didn't expect to get there. And then you come through it and you're like, oh, all right, I see that now. So it's a lot of discovery. Yeah, I think is a good way to put it. Yeah. So this is a good segue. You um, you have a business, your your website, marydabla.com, where you offer tools to help other people through their journeys. Yes. And I would love to hear just a little bit about that and how you came to offer these tools and some of the services that you offer. And we can talk a little more about some of them in more detail. Sure. Yeah. So I um, was a, you know, I was a corporate world girl, as I say. Um, you know, manager and director of these different companies. And um, I just always had this thing where I wanted to do spiritual work. And I never thought I could really do it. You know, that, that was a journey I went through where I was like, oh, I have to be, you know, a corporate world person and, you know, to do this, do work and I can do this on the side. So for years, I was a spiritual work on the side. I read tarot cards, um, did mediumship, did Reiki, things like that. And then <laughs> I, I'm chuckling because I'm thinking about the spirit world. I had three layoffs in three years. Um, and I, it, none of them were my fault. I mean, other companies moved, things like that. And I said, all right, enough of this. I got to try. If I'm going to do it, I got to try to do this business full time and see what happens. And all through my corporate career, it was, I got to take a weekend off and go learn Reiki. I got to take a weekend off and, you know, learn this other, you know, 
thing. And um, took classes all outside of the, you know, sometimes took time off of work. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> I think my statute of limitations have ended there. No one's going to yell at me for that. Um, <laughs> you know, and so, but I just found that I kept getting these opportunities. And when I got laid off the third time, I said, it's really time to do this. That was in 2012. Um, and here I am, you know, almost 10 years later doing this work full time. And it's been, you know, running your own business is, is a challenge in itself. Um, it's very, very rewarding. Um, but also running a spiritual business where you're really trying to help people get through some really hard times is a challenge, but nothing I would ever trade. Um, it's, it's been an honor to be able to help people through things. Um, whether it's, you know, talking about the future, connecting with their lost loved one, um, you know, that I do hypnosis and making some changes in, in their own personal psyche kind of thing. It, it's just one of those things that I feel like is life purpose work. And so I would never trade that for the world. So you did mention hypnosis and we haven't really talked about that at all hmm. um, in the, the you know year and a half that we've been doing this podcast. So, yeah. you know, I would love to hear more about that. Like, you know, how do you become someone who, I don't want to say hypnotist because that sounds like a stage magician. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they're out there. I mean, there's yeah. some really talented stage, uh, you know, hypnotists out there. Sure. Yeah. So how do you come to that? And, you know, how does, how does that process work? Yeah. yeah I mean, I'm going to be honest, I've never been hypnotized or done any sort of hypnotism work. So this is something that I know nothing about. So I guess I'd be curious, you know, to hear about this from a complete beginner perspective, like what exactly does that look like in a, you know, witchcraft setting and sure. all that? Yeah, absolutely. So I, at the time I went through hypnotist training, I, I, I'm just thinking back because it's 20 years ago. So I was a tarot reader and I was a medium and I was a Reiki uh, practitioner. And I'm one of those people that likes to learn different things. And an old boss that I worked for in corporate uh, actually was a hypnotist and said, you know, why don't you come and, you know, get hypnotized for, it was relaxation. I was kind of stressed out. Um, wonderful boss, but the company was kind of tough. So I said, sure. And um, there was about eight of us there and I got hypnotized and I was like, okay. My experience was I was open to the experience. Um, I was skeptical because I was like, oh, you know, the state, I always heard about the stage hypnosis and I got hypnotized and I was super relaxed. I got a recording. I'd listened to it at night and I was able to sleep through the night kind of thing. And I said, I have to be able to do this. Um, and I met up with a great teacher. Um, her name's Julie Griffin. I think she's retired now for the most part. Um, and I took the beginner's hypnotist class and we got to hypnotize each other. You know, each, we were all like our, our hypnotists and the, the clients and just to see breakthroughs, you know, when you're able to take what someone thinks about themselves, like say, for example, smoking, you know, I, I'm a smoker and you can give enough suggestions if they're open to it, to become a non-smoker and see how it changes their life. I mean, they, it, it's breakthrough. It's, you know, it, it's life changing. So, um, and I've been doing it now since 2002 um, and watching people just, you know, get different views on themselves and hypnotism can be used for anything. Really what it is, it's a place where you're either very relaxed or very focused and we're in and out of that all day, every day. So for example, like you're reading something and, a, and someone drops a book behind you and you jump, that's technically a state of hypnosis. It's just a light state. What a hypnotist does is get you into an actual like structured state of hypnosis, get you in deep. And then if, again, you're open to it, 
because we can't do anything you don't want to do. I can't make you quack like a duck when I say boo. Like that doesn't, unless you want to, but you know. Um, you know, and then we go in and we give suggestions to change things from a witchcraft, witch perspective. Um, a lot of hypnotism can go into the superconscious, which is where your connections to the divine are and go on journeys and connect deeper with the God and the goddess or, you know, work with your psychic ability. So it can be used for spiritual purposes too, but it can be used for something as like quitting smoking, more focus. You know, I've had athletes come to me for better performance, um, skaters and hockey players and things like that. People who are afraid to give speeches um, and then trauma restructuring. So folks that have gone through trauma and how do we restructure that so they can put it in a different place in their mind, which is really amazing. Yeah, so. the only time that I, the only experience I have directly with hypnosis is in college doing a past life regression. Yeah, yeah. So those are some of my favorite things to do because you get to bring people back to a time that they can see something that's like, you know, amazing. And I, I got to tell you a quick story. A, a client of mine, she knows I tell this story. Um, I won't mention her name, but she came to me for a past life regression because she wanted to understand a relationship she'd gotten out of a couple of years before. And so I was a newer hypnotist and I said to her, okay, let's go back to a time that was in this lifetime that was really happy, really joyful. Um, at the time I didn't have my office in Winchester, people were coming to my house and she's, <laughs> she's on the couch and all of a sudden I hear her going, <sighs> and she like kind of gets in this weird position. I'm like, oh, so, okay, tell me what's going on. I'm trying to stay calm. And she's like, <sighs> I'm trying to give birth. <sighs> and I'm thinking to myself, not on my couch, you're not going to give birth. <laughs> you're not gonna... So I, you know, I, I did this thing where we disassociate that and she could watch it on the screen and not feel it emotionally. But it was, uh, yeah, that was her happiest moment was when she gave birth to one of her kids in that lifetime. And I was like, oh, great. Okay, I learned that lesson. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, you can go back to things that are just um, amazing talents that you had in a past lifetime, understanding relationships, I mean, those are really cool. And that, again, a, a spiritual use for it to understand what lessons from other lifetimes may be affecting you in this one. So it's kind mm -hmm. of fun. Yeah. And I do have a friend who's local who was able to quit smoking through hypnosis. Yeah. And she has, uh, over the past year or so, she actually has her um, counseling degree. And so she's like, now that she's, you know, okay, I'm a, I'm an official counselor now. Um, she's actually taking classes to become a hypnosis, a hypnotist herself awesome. so that she can help people in the same way that, uh, because she knows that it works mm -hmm. worked on her. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. It's just such a, it's a modality that kind of gets looked at as the stage hypnotist. It does, mm -hmm. you know, people like, oh, I'm going to quack like a duck or do something embarrassing. But, you know, first of all, from my perspective as a hypnotist. I'm not a stage hypnotist. So that would be unethical for me to make you do something crazy like that. Um, and then also I've just seen so many therapeutic benefits, um, you know, even just to relieve stress. I mean, that's something we all need. Uh, it's, it's amazing stuff. So, and it was um, sanctioned by the American Medical Association back in the fifties. So it's not, it, it's not totally out there quackery as they say. Mm -hmm. um, you can use it for medical hypnosis, you know, obviously you have to be trained and, and do it the right way. Um, but you can use it for all kinds of things. So, yeah. So in hearing you talk about hypnosis and again, you know, never having experienced it, but you're talking about, you know, very, uh, you know, very focused attention or, you know, very relaxed, being very relaxed. Yeah. And that to me sounds a lot like 
um, going into an alpha state and doing that kind of work? Is, is it related to that? Uh, you know, is it slowing down brainwaves in that same way? Because I've done that sort of work, right? I worked with Lori Cabot and doing yeah. alpha countdowns and developing all those techniques. And so I'm just wondering if there is a crossover there. Yeah, very similar. I think the difference is, is that I'm giving, or a hypnotist is giving you suggestions for change where I, and I'm not 100% familiar with um, Lori Cabot's alpha state work, um, though I've heard people talk about it. Um, but I think it's going into that alpha state and you know making connections. So it's, it's slightly different. My purpose is to give you suggestions um, to make movement, to make change. So very similar though, you're getting in that very relaxed state. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm very intrigued. I'm gonna have to try this because that's an area that for me is completely untapped. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So I guess like, you know, Anna was saying with the alpha state and like the journey and stuff like that. Um, I've taken shamanic workshops that Anna leads and she, you know, she does drumming and stuff to get into that state, but that's all about, that's very self-directed, right. you know, like you have, you're going somewhere specific and you're trying to get there and you're trying to contact someone specific, whereas right. hypnosis is externally directed is the mm -hmm. difference, right? Yeah. So because like, when I work with a client, I'll sit with them and say, what are your purposes for hypnosis today? What would you like to do, accomplish? Um, and then I've, I've built suggestions based on that. Yeah. And then all you're doing is you're kind of relaxing into the journey and I'm leading you, but I'm not the one making the change. You are through your own, you know, acceptance of the suggestions. Um, but yeah, I know you see, you, I get to be your guide. So it can be similar. Like it can be even similar to meditation. Um, but meditation sort of is not as, um, you know, the suggestions there are more of let's go someplace where we can connect with whatever, where I'm saying, hey, you're, you're a smoker, we're changing that over to a non-smoker. So a little bit of a different place. Yeah. 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 It's, it's some of the, it's some really great stuff that I've done. And, you know, talking to people afterwards, um, especially when we're doing past life regression and, uh, I, I know like someone asked me sometimes if I've been through it, I'm like, yeah, I'm a five. So in this lifetime, I'm a five foot tall brunette who dyes my hair purple, of course. Um, and in another lifetime, I've been a five ten blonde. And I'm like, oh, I guess I chose this lifetime to be a shorty. That's fine. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but it's kind of fun to see like where you were and what you did. So yeah, and who was around. <laughs> yeah i've never had a past life regression and i'm very very curious so we'll have to talk like i said yeah. i did i did two of them in when i was in college and the person who i did them with wasn't like i don't even know if they were fully trained or whatever but mm -hmm. basically there was two there was one that was very kind of just like snapshots that was in ancient egypt where i was like making bread and there was another one where I was a very bored debutante in Edwardian England. Oh, fun. <laughs> so like... I, could, I could see that. Um, and I'm sure you had fabulous clothes. That's the thing. Like sometimes when you get people describe their outfits, they're like, oh, they're the beautiful outfits. You know, so... there, was, there was a silver tea set on a rolling cart that was very strong in my head. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm definitely I, expecting like, well, in this lifetime, you lived under this rock. And then in this life, <laughs> lifetime, you were under this other tree here, like just, you know, being a bog witch in various places. That's what I'm expecting. <laughs> That's fun. I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's a little more than that. But yeah, you might be like, oh, I see you. I'm outside and I'm, you know, under this tree and I'm doing some stuff with <laughs> herbs and, you know, it'll be a little more exciting than that. But 
Yeah, yeah, it's really, it's, it, it gives you a lot of information. It gives, especially if you're trying to look at relationships and what the explanations for those are, that can be very powerful to understand like why, who's in, you know, who's coming to this lifetime as opposed to a past lifetime. And, and the cool thing is, is that people switch around relationships and also genders. So, you know, this lifetime I'm a female, but I've been a male in a past life, or I've been someone's father where in this lifetime I'm their, um, you know, sister. It's like, it, it's interesting to see kind of where those relationships move around. Because if you think about it in, in the lifetime you're in right now, you, you can be in these relationships and sometimes you can feel like, all right, we're, you know, friends, but I feel like very motherly towards you or whatever. And you go into another lifetime and you see that you were their mother. So it does carry into this lifetime, just maybe subconsciously, um, or old habits die hard, whatever way you want to look at it. <laughs> and my first introduction to this sort of the thing was when I was a teenager and I was given Brian Weiss's book, Many Lives, Many Masters. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if he's like the silver raven wolf of like, you know, past life regression. So I hope I'm not. No, 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 you're fine. <laughs> You're fine. He's, he's one of the people that is seen as one of the experts of past life regression. So um, some people are like, meh, but I, I think he has very good material out there. Um, and I think he's a good start. I do. Mm -hmm. I definitely think he's a little different than Silver Raven with Wolf, where sometimes you read his stuff and you're like, hmm. Um, he, he definitely gives you a foundation um, on it. So, yeah. My mom recently read that book and immediately called me up and wanted to talk to me about it. So <laughs> yeah. it's a really beautiful book. It is. Yeah. It's cool. And there's, there's also that, you know, past life regressions, sometimes you can go into lives between lives. So you can see what actually happens when you pass away. What is your soul doing in between, you know, in between before you reincarnate? Um, and that stuff can be very interesting. You know, where do we go? What do we do? What are we learning? What are we bringing back? You know, one of the theories out there is that we come in with all these lessons, either from past lives or things we agree to. So when I say to people, one of the theories is, you know, you decided to come in with that, some of that stuff, and um, you decided to come in, period. You know, it's our choice whether we want to inhabit a body or not. They're like, oh, shit, really? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, we chose to be here, kids. <laughs> so right now, so, um, you know, again, it's theory. I say it's theory. I mean, I, I think um, we're not going to know until we cross over, really. Um, but it's a pretty good theory, I think. So, so you also do mediumship. How does, this is sort of like, you know, like this kind of like framework of the universe. How mm -hmm. does mediumship correspond to a belief in reincarnation? Yeah. Um, I was so, thinking the same thing. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's cool. So if you think about the fact that our soul and our soul energy never dies. So our physical body goes, right? But that's that soul energy has got to go somewhere. Um, so we keep all the memories of all our lifetimes on our soul. When we inhabit a body, then the theory is, um, you know, we can't keep all those, like our head was, heads would explode. So we get, everything's erased from the memory we have in this physical body. And then we start picking up little things here and there as we go through. But it, since our soul keeps all that information, this is where Akashic records come in um, or just the thought that our soul has all those memories. You can go in and you can see um, that a particular lifetime as a medium, I promise you, there's a reason why I'm talking about this. Um, <laughs> but as a medium, um, what I'm doing is, is say someone reincarnates, but I want to talk about their last lifetime they were in. I'm going to that soul memory and that soul energy of that lifetime. So it's almost like you're going into a volume of a series of books. 
and I'm pulling that volume out and I'm talking about that memory for that person, my sitter, as they say. So, yeah, I mean, even if someone reincarnates you, there's still all those memories are still with them. They're just not aware of it. We're not aware of it. So um, it's kind of interesting because sometimes I talk to people and I'll say, you know, I, I know you feel like you're, you know, brother's kid or you're, um, you know, somebody else is reincarnated. They're like, yeah, they make some of the same gestures and stuff like that. How can you talk to my dad? I'm like, well, because I'm going back into that soul memory. So it's, it's kind of nice because um, you can still talk to them whenever they can reincarnate 10 times over. I'm still, I can still get into that lifetime from the past. So yeah, the soul carries everything. You know, that never dies. And that's part of mediumship. You know, the theory is, is that love cannot die. The physical body can die, but love cannot die. And so um, tapping into that through the spirit world is just such a beautiful thing to do because people are able to, you know, reconnect for that, that period of time, which I think is wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I lost my dad nine months ago and Becca lost hers a couple of years before that. So this is definitely stuff that's on our minds. Yeah. Yeah. And I lost my dad seven years ago. And it was interesting because I was doing mediumship before I lost my dad. And I remember saying like, why, you know, what is this God? I don't know how this is going to feel for me doing mediumship after he goes. Um, and it kind of gave me a deeper understanding of losing, you know, I, I lost people before that, that I cared about, but my dad and I were really very, very close. So to lose, that was the first person I really lost that I was really close with. But it brought me to a deeper understanding about mediumship and what people go through because, um, you know, I when someone comes to me and says, I lost my dad, I'm like, oh, I've, I've been there. You know, I understand it. So, yeah, it gives you. So, again, it's one of those like, what about things that we go through um, make us stronger or make us different that, you know, losing him was awful. And I think of him every day, but I also know it helps my work. Um, so. Yeah, at least I can take that silver lining out of it. So Mary, you know, part of the mediumship work that you do is, you know, spirit directed art. Mm-hmm. And can you tell us about, you know, what does that mean for our listeners who haven't encountered that before? So let's start there. Sure. Yeah. So um, what I usually do is I'll go into, uh, it's, sometimes it's a trance state, like a hypnosis state. Sometimes it's meditation, but I sit down and I just, for myself, I'll say to the spirit world, like, what do I need? What colors do I need? What do I need to do today to kind of bring something to life. Um, and then, you know, sometimes it's mixed media, sometimes it's acrylic pouring. I mean, it just, it, you know, I'll grab my materials and go. And a lot of times in that artwork I was finding was um, different visions in them that, you know, like there's angel wings in them or there's, um, you know, I, again, as a devotee of Santa Marte, I've seen, you know, skeleton faces and, you know, I'll take pictures and send them to people and I'll go, what are you seeing in here? And they're like, oh yeah, I'm totally seeing a skeleton face or whatever. So I said, well, that would be a beautiful thing to do where it's just, you know, the touch of spirit is in that art. And I think it's very similar place. You know, you're getting into that very um, quiet space, um, divine space and asking the spirits to help kind of guide my hands and my heart when I create this art. So um, yeah, that's one of the things that I offer to folks is that if they need something that's going to inspire them or open their hearts a bit more. I can, you know, kind of go into the spirit world and say, what does this person need? And then, you know, create the art based on that. So it's really spirit guided, which is kind of fun and stuff that I wouldn't necessarily do. I'm, you know, I'm hearing this, like, well, why don't you try this color? And I'm like, Oh, I don't, you know, I don't like that color. And they're like, just go get the color, (laughs) you know? So, and then it comes out and I go, Oh, okay. Yeah. That's, that that's looks like a heart, you know, that's something that's different. So 
Um, yeah, I just let the I just let the spirits inspire. So it gives that, that little edge. And is this the is this mostly for um, for yourself or this for clients? It's both. I you know I I do it for myself too, but I do have clients that have gotten you know little small pieces, um, five by sevens, eight by tens, or like gigantic pieces um, also. So yeah, no, it's for both. If people wanted to get some spirit art that they could hang up, we absolutely could do that. But it's based on what the spirits um, are sort of what you need, what you're guided to, um, and what I'm guided to. So you know, there's been some paintings I've done that have had some herbs in them. Um, or just things like that, that sort of supercharge it, I could say. Yeah, so I had a, a brief experience with sort of spirit guided art many years ago. I took a shamanic painting workshop with a pixie light horse. Mm. And I, I really, really want that to be a thing that really works for me. For some reason it didn't, it made me really sad because I, you know, I paint, I draw, I do shamanic journeying and I just really wanted those things to melt. Oh, well, I, I think, I'm not sure what your approach is, but really I just, I just get quiet. Like I'll sit around my supplies, which is, you know, I don't know about you, but Michael's always gets me with their emails all the time. Um, and I'll sit around with my supplies and I'll just be like, all right, what do you guys want me to do today? And I, I let them guide. Um, you know, sometimes I, I, I look at it and I go, uh, I don't know about this. And I'll just put it aside. That's the other thing I do is um, any writing, any drawing, anything artistic, um, I take photos too. I'm a photographer. I'll put, if I, if I'm not happy with it at the moment, I'll put it aside for a week and then I'll go back and look at it because I think sometimes in the moment you're like, Oh, I expected this to be different. But when you get away from it for a few minutes, um, or a few days, you can go back and look at it and say, Oh, Hey, that's, that's not that bad. Or I'll turn the painting this way. And Oh, that's more of what it needed to be. And I've done that before where I've been like, Oh, that came out like a big blob. And then I turn the painting and I'm like, Oh, that's not a big blob that's something different. So just little tips for you. Yeah, it's um, been a few years, so it might be time to re-examine that. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Because I think, you know, that's part of the creativity that we tap into. I think it's some of the right brain stuff. And I think spirituality is a bit right brain. Um, so I think it comes from the same place. Um, yeah. So if we, we just let it flow, like we do with our, you know, divinity stuff, our divine connections that'll that'll create some beautiful things mm -hmm. yeah so on your website you have something called blooming packages what is yes. that well one of the other things i do is i'm a life coach okay. so the blooming packages are to help people go from the the my theme is from gloom to bloom um <laughs> which you know, I, I love because I think sometimes it takes people from that place of feeling stuck or feeling like they can't grow. Um, and then I use the tools that I have, the psychic work, tarot, mediumship, astrology, um, look at what people want to work on. And then there's goals for people to reach so that they can bloom. And part of it is just looking at where people really feel stuck. Like I think some of our thought patterns sometimes get in, get us in these places that well, this is the way it is. Yeah, I've, I've completely been there. I, you know, I don't want to speak for anybody else. I've completely been there where I've been like, well, it's either option A or option B. And I forget there's an option C, D, E, F, and G. So part of my job as the coach is to say, well, what about these other options and what's stopping you from tapping into one of them? Um, and, you know, you can see, 
I get supportive data from someone's astrology chart or something from the spirits that say, well, the spirits are guiding you that way. Or sometimes someone will say, you know, I'm trying this out. And I look at, you know, whatever I have that tool in front of me and I'm like, oh, spirits are saying maybe different direction, you know? Um, so we can kind of pinpoint what the problems are if there are problems and what kind of solutions we can develop for them. And sometimes we all just need to realize that we um, are capable of more and are you know blessed with more. And that's part of my job. Cause when you're on the outside of it and you can see in, it's easier for me to see like what's going on. Whereas if you're in the, what do they say? The forest from the trees, you can't always see the forest from the trees. You know, I'm outside the forest going, come out of there. <laughs> You know, it's, it's, let's, let's get you moving. Cause I, especially during COVID time, I think some folks felt really stuck. Um, you know, we were, we were isolated. We were um, in quarantine, you know, you felt kind of like, oh, I can't really do much. Well, yeah, of course we can do stuff and let's see, let's, let's be ingenious and figure out a different way. And it doesn't have to be just COVID time. I mean, anytime when you get stuck, how can we do it differently? So that's what that's about. Um, coaching is a ton of fun for me because I get to see people grow and that's super fun. Like, you know, when someone says, I didn't realize I could do that. I didn't realize this would work for me. Um, yeah, why not? Let's do it. And they're doing, again, they're doing all the work. I'm just seeing it from the outside. Yeah. I've been doing more work with astrology transits recently. Mm. And there's a lot of that of like, you know, like this is a time where, you know, there's a choice that needs to be made. You're going to be hitting a wall and you need to figure out how to get over that wall mm. or under that wall or through that wall or, or to make the decision to not like you, right. you can also make that decision to, you know, to not grow past that moment. Um, yeah. But, you know, especially, and, you know, we were talking earlier about like, you know, tests, and with astrology, there's a lot, like I see every time that there's a return, you know, I had a birthday recently, so that was a solar return. And, um, you know, I know someone who's going through, they're just starting their Chiron return. Um, so, you know, but, you know, people talk about Saturn return, everyone's heard of the Saturn return between like, you know, 28 to 30. Um, but, you know, there's all these other t returns and each time mm -hmm. is a test of like, did you learn the lesson? okay, then move past. And you see people have these completely different reactions to their returns. You know, people who had great Saturn returns, you know, they hit 30 and they're yeah. just like, no, things are more amazing than ever. And it's because of these choices that they've made all mm -hmm. through that they haven't been resisting those tests. They have been embracing those tests. Um, and then the people are like, no, everything is going wrong. And it's like, because you have been ignoring every single one of these things for the past 28 years, mm -hmm. and now they're all still right there. Mm -hmm. And Saturn's going to let you know. Saturn's going to let you know. Yeah, I, um, it's funny. I used to listen to, I, I, I know, I'm, I think I'm pretty, I'm older than you guys, but um, there was a Not guy. Not that much. The... I turned 47 last week. So. Oh, all right. Well, <laughs> you look very, you both look very useful. That's why I said that. Um, yeah, I'm 37. So yeah, so the, <laughs> there was a guy on WBCN called the cosmic muffin. And he was the astrologer that was on BCN in the morning. And he used to he used to end his broadcast with a fool is ruled by the stars. Um, you know, it's all our individual choices. So yeah, I mean, just because you see something in the chart, that's like amazing, you know, you have this amazing trine or whatever. Um, yeah, it's it's all our choices. And so Saturn return, it isn't a bad thing, you're learning your lessons. Um, and they're right in front of you. And like you said, some people have had great ones. Mine was, um, it turned me upside down, but I come out of it being like, yeah, it was, 
it, it, I'm glad it happened. And at the time I wasn't glad it happened. Um, but yeah, you know, we have our choices. We always have our choices. That's the thing we have to realize. Um, we always have choices how we handle things. Um, so, you know, there's not just option A and B. And astrology yeah. can definitely show you that. Um, there's always other, something else. And, and I think also with a chart, you, you know, you're warned about what's coming. Like you can actually pinpoint the dates of when something's coming. So take a look at it and then make your choices based on that. You can't change it per se, but how you react to it, you can be in control of. So let's control what we can control and let everything else just do what it's going to do because we can't, can't change it. So yeah, I actually had Becca um, write me a report of my transits for this year. And it's definitely, it's definitely already given me several heads up, you know, head ups, yeah. heads up. Yeah. How do you plural? Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely given me several warnings for this year already that have you know, been accurate. Yeah. Yeah. And again, knowing it's coming, you can forewarned is forearmed, as they say. You can see how you're going to react or what you're going to do or how it's going to play out. I'm reading um, Stephen Forrest's The Changing Sky right yeah. now. And Ooh. like he starts it off the whole, you know, the whole beginning of the book is just like, you know, things that happen, like you, the chart point is an energy how you react to that energy is your choice yes so to say that like oh think everything is faded because it's an astrology is not true like he mm. the example he uses in the book is there's um i'm forgetting what the exact aspect is it might be mars hitting the ascendant but mm. when um for like martin luther king jr it was when he was arrested and refused to post bail and you know became this big civil rights moment for Ernest Hemingway, it was when he committed suicide. Yeah. And so it's like this, it's this Mars energy acting on a personal point and, you know, how you react to mm -hmm. that energy is, you know, is a, is a personal matter. Yeah. And, you know, and obviously there's not ever just one energy happening at one time. Right. But, you know, it's very much that, you know, the astrology is a guidebook but mm -hmm. it's not your life. No, no, I agree. But I can tell you what, like, you know, where, where your talents and strengths are and what's coming and any challenges. And just, I think it's a lot of our experiences and being human is what is our reactions to it. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, at the beginning, when you were saying that you worked in corporate for so long and you needed you need something spiritual, when I look at my own chart, that's what it says over and over again. And I've been doing um, web design and development for almost 25 years now. Yeah. And, you know, when I look at my chart, like I have Neptune conjunct my ascendant, I like, like all this stuff going on. And it's just like my chart over and over again says, the reason that you're not happy in your career is because it's not spiritual. Well, how about this aspect? The reason that you're not happy in your career is that it's not spiritual. <laughs> it just says it over and over again. And so I've been really like, you know, the, the past couple of years, I've been trying to figure out how to transition my life and you know this podcast is part of that mm -hmm. but getting more into astrology doing more tarot work I have a tarot YouTube channel now um, I am taking my knowledge of computer development and I am deciding to write an astrology program like that's that, that's what I'll do with my time is I will I will write my own astrology program so um, so I'm trying to really kind of 
you know, make those changes. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, it's really hard because it's just yeah. like, you know, I want to make these changes to make myself more fulfilled, but I also need to pay the mortgage. Right. right. Yeah. So the problem is capitalism. That's, yes. <laughs> well, that's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you my experience, what I realized, because I actually had tried to do a spiritual business. So let me think back. It was um, 2002. I tried the first time, bombed terribly, terribly. I was awful. I had to go back in corporate. Um, what I realized is, and this, and again, my journey, um, people who are in the spiritual business have to treat it like a business. Of course, we want to do work that helps people and, and you know, does things, but we got to pay the mortgage, like you said. So if you don't, if you don't look at it like, I need to set this up as a business and I need to have a structure and I need to charge people what I'm worth and so on, then yeah, you're going to fail. I mean, that's any business. If you open up a coffee shop and you don't do what you're supposed to do as far as the business rules, you're, you're going to close. So I think that's something that spiritual people, we kind of get in this like spirit will provide and they will, but we have to set up the structure for spirit to provide so that we can eat and the cats can eat. So <laughs> that that's the big, that's part of it, I think, because we all think, oh, well, it's, you know, it's a spiritual business, but it is a business. Yeah. Um, so, but it's one with a lot of heart and a lot of helping. So we need to find the balance, but yeah, it's, you know, you, you can't, you, you can't forget you have to eat, have a roof over your head, buy clothes, have fun, that costs money. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, the, the idea of getting paid for spiritual work, right? That's a complicated one and a lot one that's really surrounded by a lot of guilt. Mm-hmm. And, sure. you know, it's, it's a little ridiculous that we do feel guilty for recognizing that we do live within this capitalist container Mm -hmm. you know it gets literally impossible to do spiritual work for free because we still have to you know eat and clothe ourselves and have a place to live but it makes me think back I'm I'm pretty sure that this was a Michael Harner book that I was reading uh, and he was talking about having invited a you know spiritual leader from uh, from somewhere else to come give a lecture and there was a very different cultural understanding of what it means to, uh, you know, repay someone for spiritual work. And so the, this person at the beginning of his presentation said, oh, you know, I don't expect any gifts or anything. And the American audience took it very, very literally. And, you know, at the end, they applauded him and all walked out and gave him nothing. And, mm-hmm. you know, this, this person was very shocked to not receive anything. And there's a book called Braiding Sweetgrass that was written by, you know, a Native American woman who also went into biology and into, you know, more Western sciences and was bringing those together. And she, she talks about the Indian, uh, the Indian giving, you know, stereotype, mm-hmm. air quotes, mm-hmm. and what that means. And she talks about the very cultural misunderstanding that happens that in that in indigenous cultures, there's an expectation that, uh, you know, that you always get something back for what for what you've given just because that is the nature of energy exchange right Right. that you're taking care of each other and so it's not it's not that rude thing that you know modern american culture interprets it to be but right but that idea of that there is reciprocity right and so when you go to someone for their spiritual gifts you need to give them something back so that they can continue surviving and providing spiritual gifts but we've so very much lost touch with that that we expect somehow that people that are doing spiritual work are just going to also like go be a CPA and like it's it's ridiculous that they expect you to multitask like that and still survive in this world right 
It's true. Um, a friend of mine, where I kind of lost some of that guilt, honestly, is a friend of mine years ago said to me, because um, we, you know, sometimes you get pushback. It's like, oh, it's spiritual work. It should be free. And he said, sure. He said, but you're paying me for my time. I've blocked out this amount of time for you. And you've asked me for some of my expertise. So you're paying me for my time. And I, I thought about that. And I was like, that's true. You know, we get paid you know, you have expertise when you go in the corporate world. You know, I was a manager and I was a director of different things. Like you pay me for my expertise to be able to lead this group of people. Okay, you're doing the same thing when you pay me for my time as a spiritual practitioner. Um, and you know, anything that's one of the big three, they're getting donations, they're getting things that they're, you know, um, they're getting housed and root some of them, some folks, you know, and it's through the donations of the church. But I don't think people put that together um, so much. And that's okay, but I think we all have to we all have to survive. And if we offer this work, we we should get paid. If we've done things like bought tarot cards or gone, you know, I've as a medium, I've gone to Arthur Finley in England. That's a cost, you know. And I and I again, I love doing this work, um, but I can't do it and help people unless there's there's payment involved. So, you know, and it's not the only thing. It's not why I do it, but um, yeah, if I need to do it full time, then I need to. It needs to be a job. It needs to be a business. Right. We so, don't do it for the money, but the money has no. to exist because we need to eat. You know? Right. Yeah. yeah. No, I like my ice cream. So, <laughs> you know, I like being able to put gas in my car. So I, I think, but it, it is, um, it is kind of a touchy subject, but um, people are paying me for my time and my expertise and the training I've gotten. And again, it's the same thing, like, you know, Becca with your um, web design, it's you've, I'm sure taken a lot of classes and invested a ton in that. So that's they're paying you for that. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's a touchy subject. Money is such a touchy subject. I get it. I get yeah. It. And I don't know. There's a lot of, I think there's very much uh, a new age belief as well that gets beyond just like, you know, American issues around money, but the idea that you're somehow tainting spirituality, mm -hmm. if you're attaching money to it, like that's, 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 that's dirty. Um, mm -hmm. But like you said, like you can't, it you can't spend that time if you need to spend all your time working another job. Mm -hmm. Then you know, then you're just ignoring that you you just don't have the time for it. Nope. And someone, I really offended someone when I said that you can't call yourself a professional tarot reader if you're not charging money. That's what mm -hmm. professional means. Mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> like, I, and also, they, you know, they money, didn't like that at all. <laughs> well, also, money is a stand-in, right? Uh, mm -hmm. it's no different than someone compensating me for doing that work by bringing me a home-cooked meal, right? Mm -hmm. it, you're, you're providing sustenance for the, the person providing the service so that they can continue being. So, you know, it, it maybe it's okay if you can't pay me actual money because you've made me a meal. So now I don't have to go spend money buying myself a meal, right? So people forget that it's not about the literal money, but it's about, you know, the resources so that you can continue going. Yeah. It's right. True. And like, like Mary, you're saying about like other religions, you know, you're not, if you go to a Catholic priest for pastoral counseling, you don't pay them directly, but you put mm -hmm. money in the basket every week right. at church and that money filters into keeping that priest housed and clothed and fed. So right. you're not, it's not a, at the time of service payment, mm -hmm. but it's still a payment that's happening right. that, like you said, people I think because it's not at the time of service, it's just this kind of weekly upkeep money um, that people don't make that association that spiritual 
people need to be paid for that work if mm -hmm. they're expected to spend time doing that work. It's not a hobby. If it's just going to be a hobby, yeah. then you can't count on them because they're just going to give you whatever time happens to be available in their lives after they have, you know, spent it on work that pays the bills. Right. Right. Absolutely true. So, and I think it's a wonderful thing when people get into this work, you know, because they can really be creative and connect to spirit and help other people connect. It's just, it's a beautiful thing. So we should keep encouraging people to do that. And people need to support spiritual work. If they're looking for that kind of work, you know, um, they need to support them. And in trades, I think, you know, Anna, to your point, you know, I've done trades with people that are said, Hey, I can't, you know, I, I rather give you some of my services and, you know, for your services. And absolutely, if it's equal, I'll absolutely do that um, with someone. Cause I think you, it's, I've had some really cool trades from that. So, you know, you can, you can do it however you want. Um, but yeah, no, I've had people that have said, oh, I, you know, you shouldn't get, be getting paid for this. And I say, why not? Do you get paid for what you do? Yeah. Well, why shouldn't I get paid for what I do? I just happen to do something spiritual. I mean, it, it doesn't mean I don't get paid because I'm giving you my time. So Mary, this has been an awesome conversation. Unfortunately, we're already running up on our hour. So yeah. what I wanted to ask you before we go is, you know, what sort of people should come find you if they're looking for guidance? Um, I think people who are looking for breakthroughs to get unstuck, um, to hear from their loved ones, of course, um, and just people who wanna make change and are ready to be responsible for that change. And I can, I can help them through it. Those are the type of folks that should come. And how can people find you? Uh, you can find me on my website, uh, www.marydalba, M-A-R-Y-D-A-L-B-A.com. I'm also on Facebook under Mary Dalba or under Instagram as Mary Dalba underscore medium. I, I contact me any way you can. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for being our guest. I am definitely going to be in touch about a past life regression because I'm super, super curious Ooh. to our listeners. Thank you for tuning in. If you have questions for us, you can always reach us at askawitch at witchcitywitches.com. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review us so other folks can find us. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks, everyone.